All right. Good morning, everybody. You're the 11 o'clock service, folks. Good morning. All right. Good morning. Maybe we need to amp up the coffee in the back or something like that. Well, it's good to have you here. We are so glad that you are here, and we are entering a new season. A lot of new things going on, including our sermon series today. We are kicking off a brand new sermon series as we enter into this fall season. It's called Hope for Iowa. And so if you look at that, it kind of like, that'd be a nice license plate to have, don't you think? Uh, That is the name of our sermon series in the next four to five weeks. We're going to be talking about what it looks like to bring hope into today our schools, into our communities, into our city, into our workplaces, into our families. And so that's where we're going to be diving into the next few weeks. But we are entering into a new season for a lot of you starting school or for some of you maybe being empty nesters for the first time or sending your kids to college or they're starting school for the first time. Maybe for some of you starting a new job, a new season in your life. And this time of year can bring about kind of a mixed bag uh, of emotions. Some of you parents that have school-age kids in the house and they're going back to school now, you are doing a little happy dance this week maybe because uh, you get some time uh, back or maybe it's uh, a lot of fear or, or anxiety, whatever it is. I think it's really important for us to remember, just as we sang this morning, God's faithfulness. Super short verse, but so important this time of year is Hebrews 13:8. Let's read it together. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let's read it one more time. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Some of you need to be reminded of that today because for a lot of you, everything is changing around you. There's a lot of inconsistency. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of turbulence maybe in your life these days. And you need to remember that God has and will always continue to be that consistent, steady, faithful guide saying to you today, you don't have to have it all together. Some of you need to be reminded of that today. You don't have to have it all figured out. He's saying, I am right there with you. And whatever changes and transitions you're going through these next few weeks, going back to school truly brings back a mixed bag of emotions. I know for me, I never wanted summer to end. When you were little, didn't summer just seem like an eternity, like it just kept going on forever and ever? Uh, And now as I actually look at the calendar from the time school gets out to like uh, when back to school stuff starts, like a month and a half. It just goes by uh, like that. And so for me growing up, uh, junior high, senior high, and high school especially, uh, I just milked summer for all it was worth because I just dreaded going back to school. I didn't want to be there one more minute than I had to be. So growing up in a small town there in Story City, I was probably four blocks from the high school. And so I had to be in my seat at 8.30 uh, as a high school student. So guess what time I got up in the morning? 8.17, absolutely. As, as late as I could, I, I mean, I had it down. Like I, I did like science experiments with this of how late could I stay in bed and still get there and run downstairs, zero minutes for a shower, uh, and grab a granola bar and apple as I head out uh, and wave to my parents. And then I began what my parents affectionately called the sprint of shame because I had stayed in bed too long. And so I would literally run to school, not kidding you, small town, we knew everybody around us. And so I'd run through people's backyards and I would get there and I'd sprint to the back uh, of the school where the door to get up to my first uh, period class was. And I would run up. And so I didn't want to look like I was frantic or rushing or anything. Then I would, you know, that speed walk thing. I kind of do the speed walk thing into class and finally get there. I didn't want to be there one more minute than I needed to. However, we hope that for your children and students, especially our kids and students that are going back to our children and student programming here at uh, Hope this fall have a much different uh, attitude when it comes to jumping back into programming this year. We want this to be a safe, 
uh, fun, Christ-centered atmosphere for them. And there are dozens of ways for your kids and students to go back to school here this fall as well. That's why on your chair today, there's a flyer that highlights some of those ministries. Some of them have been going on for a long time. Some of them are brand new, like our Hope Kids starting on Saturday night, as well as a new program on Fridays for high schoolers that we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later on. But I would encourage you to just start thinking about that, start praying about that, look through that. All the information uh, is on there as we go through the sermon today. Just start asking God, God, what are you calling me to do? What's my next step? And I think about the joy and the enthusiasm uh, that is going on in Hope Kids right now or with our uh, Power Life and Ignition programs on Wednesday nights and the excitement uh, that they bring and, and thinking about that. And I, and I want to ask this question to you as we start this morning. What if there was a type of school, <clears throat> what if there was a type of classroom that you couldn't wait to go back to? That you would get up every morning with the, excuse me, the enthusiasm and the excitement to, to get up and learn and, and continue to grow. And instead of counting down the minutes to get out, you just couldn't wait to be there all the time. Well, I got really good news. That type of school exists. And it's not just for the kids. It's actually for all of us. And here's why. Back in the Gospels, in the kind of the back third of your Bible, that tell the story of Jesus' life, it's easy to forget that Jesus was what was called a rabbi, and they were the kind of the religious and educational teachers of the day for Jewish kids and young men that were growing up at that time. And so Jesus was a rabbi, and so when he calls the what you know as the disciples to follow him, he's literally calling them to be his students. That word disciple in the Greek, when Jesus called his disciples, is methetes. Everybody say methetes. And methetes literally means learner or pupil or student. And so to be a disciple of Jesus is somebody that's a student or apprentice of Jesus that's learning to be like Jesus in all aspects of their life. And so when Jesus invites his disciples, he's inviting all of us to be his students. And as opposed to a, you know, nine months and then you get three months off or hit and miss, being a disciple of Jesus is the primary call in our lives. That's why we exist as a church. Some of you are like, well, I just show up, you know, and go through the motions and do the church thing, and that's what God wants, right? No, he actually wants you to follow him and be in a relationship with him every single day and invite him into every single aspect of your life. Disciples would follow rabbis wherever they went, and they would do everything in order to be like them in all of life. And so Jesus, in that sense, because we're his followers, his disciples, is inviting all of us to go back to school with him this fall. Some of you have been maybe uh, uh, out of it for a while when it comes to exercising and activating your faith. Some of you may have been sitting on the sidelines a little bit. Jesus says, it's time to go back to school. In other words, I think the challenge for all of us this fall is to find our classroom. Yes, teachers and students are going back to school, but what would it look like for you to find your classroom? And here's what I mean by that. Healthy classrooms, I believe, among many things, offer three key things. Classrooms offer, number one, a place to belong. Everybody say belong. 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 Number two, healthy classrooms, classrooms offer a place to grow. Everybody say grow. grow. And last but not least, healthy classrooms offer a place to shine. Everybody say shine. 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 That's what healthy classrooms are. And so among many things, I want to unpack those. And what would it look like for us to find our, quote unquote, classroom this fall? So number one, a place to belong as we all go back 
to school. Speaking of new beginnings, this past week we had a new beginning in the Annenson house. I can't believe it. But yes, we have a kindergartner. Yes, we do. I, I, I can't believe it. Caleb had his kindergarten roundup this past week where he gets a taste of what it's like and the teachers get to kind of observe the students and then he finds out who his teacher is and we're sitting there uh, in a meeting with all the other, with the principal and the other parents and the teachers and they're telling us and I'm kind of looking around first of all going, man, there's a lot of older people here. I, I'm way too young for this. I'm way too young uh, to have a kindergartner but here we are and the second thing that's going through uh, my mind is I listen to the teachers describe the type of atmosphere Describe the type of culture that they're wanting to create, not just for the kindergarten students, but for all students at the school. And they said, we want to create an atmosphere where these kids feel safe, and they feel loved, and they feel accepted every single day. And so they do this thing called community time, where at the beginning of every day, they kind of check in, and how was your night? How was your evening? How's things going for you? And they practice active listening skills to each other, share about their weekend, and they have community time and they're building those bonds so that they feel safe. And one of the teachers said this, beyond, before we get to any academics, they're not going to be able to respect us and listen to us and get anything out of it. They said, until our number one desire these first few weeks is to create a place where every student in their classroom knows they belong. That's their number one desire. And I got to thinking about that. I heard that and I said, that's kind of what I want. Don't you? I think this isn't a little kid thing. This is for all of us. I think every single one of us desire to have a place where we are known and where we belong. And I was thinking about that in a video that I saw, just a really short news clip that I saw uh, a few months ago, and I've been waiting to use it. And I'm like, we're going back to school this week. This is a perfect time to use it. There is a teacher. Uh, his name is Mr. White, and he teaches uh, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And he's got a pretty creative way of welcoming his kids to class every single day and making sure that they belong. Take a look. So, I've got a new idea for our greeters. <laughs> so every week when you show up, you're gonna get, you're gonna memorize about 200 personal hand, no, I'm just kidding. That would be so cool. Some of you are like, okay, John, that's cute, that's nice, seems like a lot of work, maybe, you know, a little bit over the top, that every time they come in a the classroom, they do that. I don't think the kids would say that. And here's why. Because I know, I would believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt, those kids know I belong. Because they're going to go home and they're not going to probably get that kind of reception. Or maybe they don't get that kind of reception with their peers. But in Mr. White's room, there I belong because my teacher knows me and he's invested in me. And then I got to thinking about that. This isn't just for kids. Every single one of us is created with a need and a desire to belong. And sometimes we forget that that fundamental understanding of who we are is we're kids. We're just grown-up kids that like to look like adults and act like adults sometimes. We are all God's kids. John puts it this way in First uh, John chapter 3. Let's read this together nice and loud. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I love the way that John writes because he didn't have to write that last sentence, but he added it on just to spice it up and to remind you, this is who you are before anything else. You are a child of, of God. And so as children of God, it's because of who we are, not because of what we do, that we belong in this classroom, in this family called the church. 
You belong here, whether it's your first day or your 100th day, not because of what you've accomplished or where you live or your church background or what your job is or whether you have a job uh, today or not. You belong, God says, because you are my kids, which makes, well, think about it. If God is our father and we're his kids, what does that make us in relation to each other? Brothers and sisters, right? Everybody say brothers and sisters. Now turn to your neighbor and say, hello, brother. Hello, sister. Tell them that right now. Your family, right? Some of you are like, oh, my family's weird enough. I don't need any more crazy family, right? Well, welcome to hope. Welcome to God's family. You may not like each other all the time, and you might be a little weird, but we're still called to love each other. We belong. Some of you, I just have a feeling today, are really desperate for that classroom experience. Not in a literal sense, but a place to belong. Here's the thing about our world today. We are more connected than ever. And I believe this because I felt it. You can be surrounded by people and still feel utterly alone, can't you? Who knows you? <laughs> not not, not the, you know, all your friends on Facebook and all your followers on Instagram and Twitter. And Who really knows your story? Very simple definition of friendship is when two people just get brutally honest and vulnerable with each other, and then they both think, oh, I thought I was the only one. Some of you need to hear that today because you're holding something and you're stuffing something down inside. And if you would just open yourself up and let yourself know, and you would find that you belong here. Yes, there's clubs and activities and all sorts of things to be involved with. But there's one place that you can be reminded every single week that your primary identity is not defined by your job, it's not defined by your past, your mistakes, your primary identity is not defined as mom or dad or whatever your job is. It's defined by the fact that you are a child of God first and foremost. Find a place to belong. Maybe it's coming to the new member class in a couple weeks. Maybe it's getting baptized today, realizing that you belong in God's family, that he comes to you. You don't have to go finding him. He's found you. And he calls you his child of God. That's what a, a healthy classroom offers is a place to belong. But secondly, a classroom offers a place to grow. Everybody say grow. So there we are uh, again at the kindergarten meeting. And we're hearing about all the subjects that they're going to be studying and that Caleb's going to be learning about and math and science and all the creative things and art and, and music and, and field trips and all sorts of stuff. And I'm looking at this list and I look at Tiffany and I go, man, I, I, I want to go back to kindergarten. Like, that'd be a lot of fun, right? This adulting thing is kind of a drag sometimes. Amen? I want to go back to kindergarten and, and learn this. And then it was fascinating. The teachers were talking about, because our world is changing so rapidly, they said, we are, we are essentially training your students for jobs that don't exist yet. That we have no idea what they will be. And so they said, one of our values as a school is to teach them to be beyond just getting information into their heads, because we don't know if that information is going to be useful in 15 years. Because of how fast our world's changing, they said our value is to teach them to be creative thinkers, to be inquisitive, to be lifelong learners, to not lose that hunger for creativity and growth. And I think that sometimes, as adults, especially as Christians, we forget that we were created to be lifelong learners as well. That's what a disciple is. You don't graduate from Jesus' school. 
You follow him every day in every aspect of your life. But sometimes we get this mixed up version of church and Christianity that if I just agree intellectually with some principles and some morals and some values and then, you know, try to not drink and smoke and, 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 and all of that and be a good person, that's what Jesus wants from me. Jesus wants to change your life fundamentally and transform you. It's not some intellectual ascent. Jesus is calling all of us to be lifelong learners. I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 4. Put this up on the screen. The first part of it, Paul says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers, essentially the leaders in the church, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, all of us, might be built up. And then why? What's the purpose of all of that? Verse 13, let's pick it up and let's read it together up on the screen. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what I love is that <clears throat> Paul just comes right out and says it. What is the goal of our faith? Like, why do we do this every week? Why do we gather? Paul would say is to become mature. And what is maturity look like? Some of us are like, well, perfect church attendance. Or how many Bible studies I've been a part of, or how many small groups I've led, or my prayer life, or any of that. Well, it's part of it, that's the fruit of it. The primary call in our lives is to go on to maturity. And what is maturity? Look at verse 13. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, aka we become people who are increasingly thinking and feeling and acting like Jesus said, is this person mature in Christ? You would say, do they have the character of Christ? Does my life look more like Jesus in my words and my actions? And do I have the competency of Christ? In other words, am I learning to do the things that Jesus did? I can be a kind and loving and gentle and, and person full of integrity, but if I don't live out what it means to be a disciple, I'm missing half of it. Jesus says, you are my disciples. In other words, you are called to learn everything that I did in the Gospels. So if you haven't read the Gospels, read the Gospels. That's who Jesus is calling you to be. And finally, who is this for? This call to maturity to be a disciple, verse 13. What is that blue word up there on the first sentence? All, right? Everybody say all. All. That includes you. That includes me. All of us. It's not just for those super spiritual Christians that like, do crazy things like go to midweek Bible studies and join small groups. Like, I just want to come and just kind of do my church thing on Sunday and go home. Jesus never asked you to do that. He asked you to follow him, to be his methetes, to be his disciple, and a natural outflow of that is the desire to worship every single week, to be in community, to serve. Those things are fruits of being a disciple. And some of us have stopped growing. Some of us have said, that's about it, and I'm just going to show up once in a while and do my thing. But you don't really look any different this week than you did last week or this month than you did last month. Jesus is calling all of us to be lifelong learners. What would it look like to go back to school with Jesus this fall? And here's the amazing thing. Jesus' classroom isn't a physical room somewhere. Jesus' classroom is your life. And everywhere you go and every interaction you have and every relationship that you have is an opportunity to say, stop, time out, Jesus, what would you have me do in this moment? What would you say to me, Jesus, in this moment, in this interaction? Every moment is an opportunity <clears throat> to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's Alpha. Maybe it's Core, our core class that starts in September of 
going a little bit deeper. Maybe it's Financial Peace University of taking that next step and getting your finances and your budget aligned with Christ. All of those things start in the next few weeks. We need a place to belong. We need a place to grow. And last but not least, we need a place to shine. Everybody say shine. Shine. This time of year, we certainly lift up the role of teachers and educators, and, and rightly so. We have so many teachers. We love schools. That's who we are as a church. And it is an incredibly high calling for those of you that uh, are educators. And so we love to bless schools. Uh, that's why we set aside every August. Uh, you've heard about our back-to-school drive. And I may have mentioned this last week a little bit, but we, we went out on a limb this year, and we're like, we're just going to go for it. And we're going to try to fill with school supplies 150 <clears throat> backpacks. We're like, you know, I think people are feeling pretty generous this year. I feel pretty good about it. We're going to try to fill 150 backpacks. Well, uh, our missions team and a bunch of you volunteered uh, after the service last weekend, and you just kept filling them and filling them and filling them. It took a lot longer than they thought. And folks, you filled over 200 backpacks for local schools with supplies left over. So praise God for that. That is awesome. <clears throat> And so there's a picture. You met Ryan earlier, our student guy. That's what we do is we just load him up with stuff and just make him carry it around uh, all week. No, he's, he's headed into Edmonds uh, there, at one of four area elementary schools that's going to be blessed. And I had a teacher uh, that used to teach at Edmonds, actually, from our congregation, stop me after the last service, and she said, John, it's not about how many backpacks. It's about the look on our teachers' faces when the church shows up with a pallet of backpacks and says, these are for you because we love you. It, it boggles their mind that, that a church would, would do that, that would believe in them and, and what they're doing, and they feel so blessed. So many teachers are having to, to, to pay for these school supplies out of their own pocket. So for us to supply them with school supplies for the entire year, some kid shows up without the proper supplies. He doesn't have to be shamed about that. They're just, here, we have them. Because the church down the street gave it to us for free, expecting nothing in return. We love schools. We love teachers. But here's the mistake that we make this time of year. We forget every single one of us has a classroom. Every single one of us has, God is placed in a, in, in a place or, or, or with a group of people, the circle of influence where we can let our light shine. All of us, not just teachers and students, but all of us have a place to shine. Jesus puts it this way. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to dive into our scripture reading for the day, and that's where we'll be for the rest of our time. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And if you need a Bible, they're in the back. Grab one on your way out. They are free. So Jesus is giving his <clears throat> kind of first recorded sermon, kind of his inaugur inaugural address called the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is up on the hillside, and he's got the big, uh, you know, amplified speaker system with the 60-foot LCD flat-screen TV showing his PowerPoint slides. And I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Uh, and Jesus is giving this sermon. And what does he start telling the people about their identity, about who they are? Verse 13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot and worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Jesus says faith is not something to keep to yourself. Faith is a very private, is a very personal thing, but it was never meant to be a private thing. Jesus also says here, what he's saying is that faith can't be regulated to a time and a place. 
being a disciple of Jesus is living your life in such a way that when you're in the world, it brings taste and flavor and light to wherever you go. I mean, you remember the children's song, right? We did it in, in, in VBS, like this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? And then we say, hide it under a bushel. No, we taught the kids, are you crazy? Hide it under a bushel, are you crazy? No, we don't hide our light. How crazy would that be? This is who we are created to be. What about your walk with God sticks out? What is it about your life that other people look at you and go, I don't know what it is about them, but I want that. Some of you are so worried to stick out because you think that you're going to be pushing your faith on people. I would rather have you share your faith with the way that you live your life long before you start preaching with words. That's powerful. What is it about your life? I was thinking about this the other day. You know, so often when Christians show up or when churchy people show up, it seems like the, the drill for people that maybe aren't Christians or aren't religious people is to kind of be like, well, I have to, you know, hide my beer. Or I can't swear. Or I have to kind of be on my best behavior. I don't want to offend anybody. What would it look like if when the Christians show up, everybody was like, oh, good, the Christians are here. Oh, thank God the church people came to the bar tonight because this is going to be great. Instead of, quick, the church people are here. Pastor John's here, hide it, right? Why? Shouldn't we be the most real and authentic when the Christians are there? Because we bring salt and flavor. Something about you sticks out. And, and what would it look like if Christians were the life of the party? Not because we dance the wildest or we sing the loudest. We're the, wild, we're the, we're the life of the party because people look and go, oh, they have real joy. Because I'm having a great time bar hopping tonight, but it is gonna, I'm going to regret it in the morning. You know, I tried to be something for this guy or for this girl in a relationship. I'm going to regret it in the morning. But I, but I talked to this person that's a church person, and it's like they have this joy that lasts. I, I really love it when the, when the Christians show up because it, it just seems like there's an there's a authentic nature to their friendship. And when everybody else leaves and ditches me, it's the Christian's that stay faithful. I want to know about this Jesus guy. I want to know more about him. You ever meet people that there's just a certain depth to their life? So many people's lives are just an emotional roller coaster. But because we have this anchor to our soul that is this hope in Jesus Christ, we can have this depth to our lives as Christians that's not shaken by the world. People just, I want to, it's like a breath of fresh air being around them. We're called to be those types of people. What would, what would it look like if when, when we show up as a church into our schools, instead of this whole like, oh, church and state thing, what would it look like if we just showed up as a church and just blessed schools? Then whenever we showed up, schools, administrators, teachers would be like, oh, good, the church is here. Thank God for the church. What, what a great goal as a church that every single school in our community, in our neighborhoods here would go, I don't know how we would do it without Lutheran Church of Hope. I'm so glad that the church loves us and blesses us the way that they do. That's why we exist as a church, to be good news. But here's the thing. We all have a classroom. We all have a classroom. The, the posture of a disciple isn't, oh, I'll have to wait till Sunday or I'll have to wait till my small group meets to do my God stuff for the week. We kind of divide our lives up into the God stuff and the non-God stuff. Everything is spiritual because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And so the posture of a disciple is, thank God that God has made me a teacher. 
Thank God that I'm an accountant, an IT specialist, a carpenter, a nurse, a stay-at-home parent, because I get to bring taste and flavor and light into my classroom as well. I get to go be the church wherever God's placed me. And some of you are like, no, John, that's cute and that's fun and everything, but you don't understand how boring my job is. You don't understand how non-spiritual my job is. Because I'm like, there's nothing special. I'm just really an ordinary person. I'm not a pastor or a worship leader, missionary or something like that. I just, I just kind of do what I do. I just feel ordinary. Lest we forget in Matthew chapter 5, have you ever wondered who's Jesus talking to? Who is the crowd? Might it help you to know that the people that Jesus is talking to are the poor, the dirty, the ordinary, the nobodies, the simple peasants, the outcasts of society that were on the outskirts of town, which is where Jesus climbed up the hill and gave this sermon. The crowd here in Matthew chapter 5 is not referring to the amount of people that are there. The crowd was referring to the mob. And you can fill in the blank with whatever you think those people are like. The peasants, the ordinary people of Palestine, the uneducated, the farmers, the fishermen, those with no wealth, or fame, or power. You might call them salt-of-the-earth type of people. People like you and me that don't have it all figured out. And I'm guessing that there are some of you that are here today that have settled on, I'm ordinary. John, I'm an ordinary Christian with an ordinary job and an ordinary life. And there's nothing really significant that God is going to do. And you need to hear today that you are anything but Ordinary, And some of you need to hear this because of mistakes that you've made or things that you've done, whether it was last night or last month or five years ago, you are not disqualified from God's mission. There is nothing that disqualifies you for God's mission because what qualifies you is his grace. And that is available for all of us. His grace is bigger than anything that you have done. And he says the same thing to you today that he said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Don't forget that. Shine your light, whatever that looks like. That was the message to a bunch of high school students that they needed to be reminded of that as well. A few years back, there was a movie that came out called Freedom Writers. It's been several years now, but kind of the leading lady is Hilary Swank. And she plays this teacher that enters this very rough inner city high school uh, in L.A., and the story is she enters this classroom and it is, she's completely terrified of the violence and the gangs and all the violence that she sees in her students. And she can't get through to them. Nothing's getting through to them. Until she tells them the story of Anne Frank and how she hid and survived during the Holocaust in World War II. And so what the students do is they end up raising money to bring a real-life Holocaust survivor to their school that helped hide Anne Frank during the Holocaust. And from the most ordinary, unassuming heroes, this little old lady, they are reminded to let their light shine. Let's take a look. You could be shot for hiding a Jew or go to camp. So another soldier recognized my accent. He was Austrian and so was I. But I had been adopted by a Dutch family. So he told the soldier with the gun to let me go. There isn't a day that I 
don't remember August 4th. And I think about Anne Frank. Yes? I've never had a hero before, but you are my hero. Oh, no. No, no, young man, no. I, I am not a hero. No, I did what I had to do because it was the right thing to do. That is all. You know, we are all ordinary people, but even an ordinary secretary or a housewife or a teenager can, within their own small ways, turn on a small light in a dark room. Yeah? I have read your letters, and your teacher has been telling me many things about your experiences. You are the heroes. You are heroes every day. Your faces are engraved in my heart. Anyone can turn on a small light in a dark room. Junior high students, high school students, college students, Adults, outcasts, self-labeled screw-ups, imperfect, broken people like you and I. We are all called to shine our light. And so there I am, and we're walking Caleb up to his classroom the first day, ready to say goodbye, and I can't help but think about the incredible opportunity that he has in his little kindergarten room to shine his light this year. And so before we walk out of the classroom, I kneel down, and as I often do when I really need to get his attention, I grab his shoulders and I say, Caleb, I want you to remember to be kind, to be brave, to be helpful, and to be like Jesus. And I am starting to lose it here. I am a dad of a kindergartner, and I am losing it. And this guy, he looks at me and goes, yeah, dad, I know. And he starts seeing other kids leave, and I can't, I can't hold it together anymore because, like, we're leaving him, and this is all new for us, too. And I, we are way worse than he is. And he sees other parents leaving, and I go, <laughs> I'm sobbing, and I go, Caleb, are you okay? And he didn't say it, but inside I'm guessing he's thinking, Dad, are you okay? <laughs> Pull it together, man. Like, I'm, Caleb, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. And then this is exactly what he did. Dad. And I wanted to look at him and say, I changed your diapers. I get to leave when I want to leave. Go. Stand here and cry if I want to. And he smiles at me as, as we leave, and I give him a thumbs up. And all I can think is, gosh, I love that kid. And then it's like God reminded me in that moment, <laughs> John, the love that you have for him that is a, just a glimpse of the love that I have for every single student in that classroom. 
and every student in every classroom and every teacher in every classroom this fall. Some of you need to hear that, and for you. Just a glimpse of the love that God has for every single child and student that's going to be coming and walking through those doors in the next few weeks to our programs this fall. And that's why we have this flyer. And can I just be honest? I mean, I have been honest the whole time, but can I be honest with you? This is way more than a sign-up sheet. The kids in these programs, as our children and student ministries continue to grow, they're God's kids, which means that they're our kids. This isn't a sign-up sheet. This is an opportunity for you to just pray and think about whether you have kids in the home or not or you never plan on having kids. (laughs) God loves kids, and he loves students, including the ones that are going to be here this fall. And this is our classroom, and we're called to love them well. And so as you take that out, I encourage you to, to look at that right now. Everybody take out that sheet and just pray and think about those opportunities. Maybe it's our Hope Kids ministry that continues uh, to grow uh, more kids than we've ever had at our last service uh, in Hope Kids. And maybe it's that. You know that on September 8th, we're adding Hope Kids to our Saturday night service as well, which we're super excited about that. And that's age three through grade five. Power Life, our confirmation program, picks it up in grades six through eight. And then Ignition, our high school program, is from ninth through twelfth. And I don't have to tell you that number of studies and countless studies that say over and over and over again. Most kids, by the time that they're 18, by the time that they leave the home, make up their minds about what they're going to believe and the role that faith plays in their life. How much more important is that ministry? This isn't like, oh, the little kids ministry and, you know, the little kids are over there. We've said it once and we'll say it again. At Lutheran Church of Hope, we are unapologetically competing for the hearts of these kids because you know the world that's out there. And the most important thing that they learn this year might be inside our doors, that there is a God that loves them no matter what's going on in their family and what other kids tell them. And they need somebody to tell them. And I love it. And I am so thankful that so many of you were generous and gave so many school supplies and gave so much to that. And some of you, not all of you, but some of you, God might be calling you to give yourselves because they can't be what they can't see. And these children and these students are looking for what does it mean to be an adult that's on fire for Jesus? So this isn't a guilt thing. It's not a pressure thing. I'm just asking you to pray about and say, God, what would you have me do for the children and students in our classroom this fall? What would that look like? And last but not least, you'll see another option down there at the bottom of another program that we're starting an outreach called At the Sea. And some of you are like, At the Sea, what does that mean? It can mean whatever you want it to mean. But here's what it's going to mean for us. There are hundreds of high school students in our communities that nobody is reaching. Nobody's reaching. For a variety of reasons, they are not connecting with any church. And so we just made a decision as a staff. It might not always be glamorous. It might not grow our numbers super high right away. But we are going to be a church that reaches people that nobody else is reaching. In order to do that, we got to do things that nobody else is doing. Because God loves those kids, and we are not going to accept the people that say, well, they're just a little bit too lost. They're just a little bit too out there, a little bit too rough, a little bit too on the fringes. That's exactly who Jesus came for. And so we're going to go after them with the love of Jesus Christ. And so we're creating this opportunity every Friday night, starting in mid-September, called At the Sea. We're going to welcome in any student that wants to come in high school and hang and do homework and be loved and have a free meal. And they're going to teach them about the Bible and God's love for them and to develop a safe place where they can belong. 
and grow and shine. And you can serve a meal. You can help us set up and tear down. You can help with that program. Just mark your interest on that sheet there. One of our volunteers that's been loving and developing relationships with these kids a couple weeks ago told me that he and his wife, they're in their young 30s. They have a couple kids that they had a 16-year-old girl that they've been hanging out with and loving that's from a really difficult family background show up at their door on a Friday night at about 7.30 and say, I don't think that my parents want me around anymore. And so I don't want to go start cutting and I don't want to go do what the rest of my friends are going to do on Friday night. And she literally said, could I hang out with you guys for a while? Do you ever, do you guys ever just get a little antsy in your faith and you just get kind of tired of coming and doing the same old thing every Sunday morning? It's time to activate your faith. It's time to stretch your, your faith muscle. That's how we grow our muscles is we get stretched. You want to you stretch your faith? You want to grow? Hang out with some high school students and show them the love of Jesus Christ. They will teach you a lot more than you could ever teach them. So that's at the sea. And we would love to have you join in with God's mission in that. I, I think about the love that I have for my son and I can't imagine the love that God has for every single one of these students that the world has just kind of written off and said, you're not going to be able to reach him. We're going to reach him with the love of Jesus Christ because it changes lives and Jesus is inviting you to be a part of that. So before you leave and just run off today, I really want to encourage you to look at that sheet and just pray about no guilt, no pressure. Just pray about, God, what would you have, have me do? And then respond to that. And you can just drop them off in the back and Ryan, our student coordinator, is going to be in the back as well. The reason we call this series Hope for Iowa, we live in a world that's desperate for hope and some of you need that hope as well. And the good news is that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again and so we can sing about that hope today. Not just talk about it, but declare it for the world around us. So I wanna invite you to stand on up and sing as we close in worship.